0: Open your Bibles, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. We will be there in just a moment. I wanted to add my welcome to you all. Thank you all for being here. It's good to have many visitors with us this morning. Appreciate you coming our way. Appreciate um, Brother Bob Dickey in leading our prayer. It's good to see them here uh, this morning and appreciate his participation. Got um, many that are under the weather, including him, so we appreciate him. Uh, pushing through and leading us in our prayer it's truly a glorious thing that we can come and be before our Father on this the first day of the week what do you say when someone asks you this question are you going to heaven probably say your gut reaction probably is what I hope so I hope so and if you're in that camp, and if that's your gut reaction, you're, you're not alone. Lots of people say that. You might have heard me ask this question not too long ago. And we talked about it a little bit in a Bible class, about this question, are you going to heaven? And I asked you to rethink how you might answer that question in the future. I asked you to consider what it would take for you to be able to answer that question, yes, I'm going to heaven. To be able to to answer that way requires that you be confident in your salvation. It means that you are sure about what it is that you are doing. With the goal in heaven in mind, you are continually making the necessary preparations that God requires of you. And as we'll see in this lesson, this is the attitude that God expects of us. Throughout this year, we're going to be considering how it is that we can improve our confidence. This will serve as a theme to focus ourselves this year, to focus our thoughts, in our spiritual service throughout this year. Each month I plan to bring at least one lesson based on this theme. Also articles in the bulletin and teachings and other occasions that might come up, Bible classes. We're going to be coming back to this theme. Our gospel meeting coming up at the end of February. We're going to be talking more about that as it's approaching fairly soon. But we're going to be looking at discipleship and exploring in depth a little bit more about discipleship. And that's going to tie in with the theme that we're talking about here as well. So this whole year we're going to be focusing on our confidence and improving it. And we have chosen to title this theme, Confidently, Confidently, <laughs> Confidently Approaching the Throne of Grace. And this comes from our scripture reading this morning. If you're there in Hebrews chapter 4, read with me there verse 16. It says, let us, let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Your version may say boldly. That we may receive mercy and may find grace to help us in time of need. Confidently approaching the throne of grace. The Hebrew writer actually speaks of this confidence quite a bit in the book of Hebrews and we're going to look at that at the end of our time here together explore that a little bit more but this idea that we are allowed to confidently approach the throne of God is important it means that God has given us all that we need to be prepared to stand before him confident in our preparations and confident in our destiny. So as a way of introducing this series, I wanted to consider what it is that God expects of us. So the first says, let's understand that it is God's plans for all people to go to heaven. Look with me in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Beginning of verse 6. It reads, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one man will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone will dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, sin goes back a long way, doesn't it? It's been around a long time. All the way back to the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned against God. And from that very time God understood his creation and he understood the method by which he was going to have to redeem man from his sin. And this plan has its full expression in Jesus Christ. We talk often about the Old Testament and and the old law and how that old law led us through the law of Christ. There's a long time period there, but the full expression of God's redemption of mankind is in Jesus Christ. To be truly redeemed of our sins took the sacrifice of God's only Son. It took the sacrifice of His only begotten Son to redeem us from our sins. That was God's plan. So when we say that it's God's plan for all people to go to heaven, that's what he wants he wants man to be redeemed back to him he created him in that way he wanted to have a relationship with man but when man sinned there had to be a redemption and it's important for us to understand that this plan is for all mankind it's not just for a chosen few God wants all men to be saved Notice in verse 6 there it said that Christ died for the ungodly. Who are the ungodly? A little earlier in chapter 3 of Romans, in verse 23, Paul expresses it this way, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Who does that leave out? No one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. All of us fall short of his glory. But the sacrifice of Jesus was intended to save us all. Look with me over in First Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2. Beginning in verse 3. It says, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony born at the proper time. Similar language in Second Peter 3 and verse 9, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but to all, for all to come to repentance. For all to come to repentance. It is God's plan for all men to be saved. It's his intention for everyone to go to heaven. But I will tell you this. That we're not just going to stumble into heaven. We're not going to get to heaven on a technicality. It takes preparation on our part. It takes doing what God has asked of us. James 3 and verse 17 tells us that faith without works is what? Is dead, being by itself. Our faith is important. Our faith in God is very important. The Hebrew writer says there in chapter 11, verse six, it's impossible to please God without faith. But if we're not doing something, If we're not demonstrating our faith through our works, then our faith is useless. As James talks about there in chapter 3. So God wants all to be saved. That is his plan for mankind. So knowing this, knowing that God wants us to be saved, what, what must we do? What we must do starts with becoming a disciple of Christ. Look back in Matthew chapter 28. Be pleasing to God starts with us becoming a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here in Matthew 28 verse 19 it says, Go therefore and make disciples of of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you, and lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age." Jesus commissioned his disciples to go into the world and make more disciples. A disciple is a learner, a student. That means that a disciple of Christ is a a student of Christ. Always studying, always learning, always being able to, and ready to put in practice what it is that the teacher is teaching. Look over in Colossians chapter 2. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2. <clears throat> Beginning of verse 1. Says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf, and for those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who are not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ Himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no, that no one may delude you with persuasive arguments. Persuasive arguments. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good disciple, to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him. And especially in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. As a child of God, we are to be rooted in Jesus Christ. What else does it say? Also being built up. Paul speaks there of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We are constantly being built up in him as well. How? Through knowledge. Through knowing him better through knowing him more, to being a disciple of Christ, a learner, a student of Christ. That's where it starts. As a disciple of Christ, you will live, hopefully, it should be your goal, to live a godly life. Over in chapter 3 of Colossians, beginning verse 1, it says, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on the things on earth. For you have died, uh, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Keep seeking the things above. Living a Godly life means, means no longer living a worldly life. Putting those things behind us, the things of the world. And seeking to live a godly life with our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, our Savior. Back in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 beginning in verse 3. This is a long reading, but I want to read it. I want you to understand and think about as we're going through about the life that we are to live to Christ. Ephesians 5, beginning verse 3. But let not immorality or impurity or greed even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. And there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. As you were formerly darkness, now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. For all things become visible when they are exposed by the light for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, awake sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. This is the kind of life that we need to be living. A light walk a life walking in the light, not in the darkness. We come out of the darkness we come out of the darkness into the light this is the kind of life that gives us confidence in our salvation this is the kind of life that we can live in full assurance of our salvation look over in second peter second peter chapter 1 <clears throat> Verse 10, it says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this, the way, the entrance to the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. This is after Peter is speaking of the increasing virtues That a Christian is to have. He must possess these things the brotherly kindness, the love, knowledge. These things are to be increasing. And he says if you put these things into practice, what? You'll never stumble. If we're living a godly life, if we're putting these things into practice, we can be confident. We can be assured. We can live our lives in full assurance of our faith we can have the confidence that we need to approach the throne of grace. This year, we'll we'll be focusing on building our confidence. We spoke a lot about confidence, full assurance, faith. How do we build those things? How do we build that confidence? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. This little thread of confidence goes all the way through the book of Hebrews. It shows you how important it is for us to have this mindset that we can confidently approach God. And here's why. In Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, it says, Therefore, holy brethren, Partakers of the heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses was also faithful in his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in his house as a servant, For a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are. If we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. We have this confidence because of who Jesus Christ is. The son of God. Moses was faithful to God as a servant, and God used him in establishing the old law. Jesus is faithful as a son, and he has brought to us the complete redemption of sin. He has brought to complete fulfillment the prophecy of him and salvation. That gives us the confidence to know that our salvation is assured if we hold fast to him, if we hold fast to the law of Christ. In chapter 4 of Hebrews, beginning in verse 14. This was our scripture reading this morning. Let's read it again. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may may find grace to help us in the time of need. Some important things about Jesus are expressed here in this passage. One is that he is a sympathetic high priest. He understands how we are tempted and and the things that we go through in this life. Why? Because he was tempted in all ways. The Hebrew writer makes it clear, though, he did not sin. And that makes him uniquely qualified to serve as our high priest. And it gives us tremendous confidence to serve God. God and to benefit from God's grace and His mercy, as Jesus Christ is our high priest. Look over in chapter 10. Chapter 10 of Hebrews, beginning verse 19. Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place, By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Here again, we see how we can approach the throne of grace. In confidence. And that's made possible through the blood sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we can pass through that veil that used to separate God and man. Jesus has torn down that veil, ripped it in two, so we now can confidently approach the throne of grace. And we can have full assurance that our salvation is secure in Jesus Christ. Look down at verse 35 here in chapter 10. It says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet in a little little while, he who is coming will come, And he will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering of the soul. Living by faith means that we are moving forward. It means that we're not shrinking back. Again, this is accomplished our confidence knowing who our Savior is it's accomplished through our faith our faith in him finally look over in chapter 13 verses 5 and 6 let your character be free from the love of money being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? Having God on our side should give us the ultimate confidence. What can anyone do to us? What can any man do to me What can any man take away from me if I have the confidence in God through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Man can't do anything to me. He might take my life. But I have assurance of a life after this life. I have faith in a life after this life. What can anyone do to me if God is on my side? We'll continue to look in greater detail throughout this year on how we can build our confidence. but This is our starting point. This is our starting point. By knowing that it's God's plan for all people to go to heaven. That is his will. He wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Knowing that that's what God wants, what must we do? There are things required of us. There is a working faith that is required of us. And what we must be doing is building our confidence, being assured of our faith. So we'll spend this year building our confidence. I hope that this will be an encouragement to you. I hope that, I hope it's not all the way in December. I hope somewhere along the way your confidence will be to that point where you can confidently approach the throne of God. As the Hebrew writer has said here in these examples, how is it that we can do that? Through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, not of ourselves, but through the sacrifice that he has made. That gives us the confidence to approach our Creator, our God. Paul speaks about his time drawing at an end there in 2 Timothy 4. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also those who have loved his appearing. The Apostle Paul was coming to the end of his life, and he knew it. But he was confident in his reward, he was looking forward to it. Can we have that same attitude? We're not promised tomorrow. All we have is today, we can make the most of it and be confident in our faith. If you're not a disciple of Christ, you're outside his body. You need to become a disciple, you need to become a learner, a student of the Lord, being buried in baptism for the remission of your sins. You come up out of those waters a new creature, born to walk in newness of life. If you're a child of God and you're not confident. We could all use some more confidence, couldn't we? I pray that this year will be helpful in building up your confidence. Take those steps necessary to increase your faith so that you can be confident and approaching the throne of grace. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.